you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. One thing I love, one of the things I love about being in Victory Outreach is that it is a movement and a ministry and a vision that's bigger than me. And I don't know, if you, if you ever want to know purpose in your life, get around something that's going to stretch you beyond your comfort zones. It's going to get you into places that you would never have been normally able to get into. You know, I, I, I landed in Los Angeles. I was picked up by two ex-gang members, with t- all blasted with tats. Come on, somebody. From Los Angeles that I'd never met. Hallelujah. And uh, they picked me up. Pastor Paul. I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> You know, are you going to rob me or are you going to take me somewhere? And uh, they took me to a hotel and I stayed in a hotel and preached in a church and did all that stuff. And it's because we have family in different countries around the world. And I flew into Puerto Vallarta from Los Angeles uh, International Airport. And Vicky flew from Manchester on a different flight into Puerto Vallarta Airport. And we met in immigration. Check that out. And uh, we were able to hook up in immigration, but that's how God's been moving. It is a season of blessing. Amen. I want you to pray right now with me. And I'm going to speak to you a little bit of a different message today. It's going to be a little bit different format. But I've titled this The Blessing Place. Because that's what this church is this year. is The Blessing Place. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you, O oh God. For all of the good things that you have in store for us, you are a good father. Lord, you want the best for your people, and we receive your best. This year, oh God, we pray that you would posture us, align us, and position us to receive everything that you've prepared for us to receive. Every good gift comes from you. We thank you today. We ask, Holy Spirit, you'd open our hearts and minds and you'd make your word alive to us. And let us have takeaways from this that there is a a, a good season that we're going into. Let it lift our hearts. Let it inspire us to love you and to serve you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I've titled this message, The Blessing Place. Because I really believe, Victory Outreach Manchester, that that's what this place is right now. This is a blessing place. Can someone say amen if you agree with that? Say amen if that's something that you want to see in your life is blessing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. In fact, when you read scripture and you see people in scripture that are commended for wanting blessing and asking God for blessing and trusting in blessing, you know, God commends people that trust him for that. Do we know that there's hard times in life? Yes, we do. But how many of you know, we, we don't always have to be going through hard times in life. And I really believe that this is a year for our church to be blessed. I already am receiving blessing. I am a blessed man. I don't know if any of you can say the same thing. Are you, are you blessed? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I know I'm blessed this year. I'm blessed. God's blessing me and uh, his blessing is going to outweigh anything else that takes place in my life. And I haven't been able to say that for a few years. I've always been on the, what is, what's going to go wrong next? What am I going to have to deal with next? What am I going to have to deal with next? What am I going to have to face next? How am I going to survive? How am I going to get through? 
This year, I'm like, God, you've already blown it away. You've already smashed it open. You've already opened the doors. Is bad going to try and come at me? Yes, it will. Is evil going to come at me? Yes, it will. But how many of you know it's going to come in one way, it's going to flee seven ways? Because the blessing of God is powerful. And there's seasons of it. And I want to lay out a little bit of what I believe and hope for for 2024 in this service. It's going to be a little bit of a different way that I preach today. Because I believe it's a year of blessing for our church. Of ripe fruit and full harvests. Can someone say amen? I receive that. In other words, what do I mean by that? Let's take away some of the terminology a minute. I believe that for Victory Outreach Manchester, that it is a year of realising potential and reaping what's been sown. You know, you reap what you sow, right? It's called reciprocity. There's a law. And laws are laws. You can't break laws. You either submit to law or you face the consequences of the law. But law is law. It's like gravity. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you identify with or want to believe. The truth is the truth, the fact is the fact, and law is a law. If you jumped out of a building and said, I identify as a butterfly, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find out real quick that gravity don't care. Amen? Gravity is a law. Hallelujah. What goes up comes down. Praise the Lord. Unless another law is put against it, the law of buoyancy that overcomes that law. It's like the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Sets us free, makes us free from the law of sin and death. The only way you get around that is by another law in place. But there's, there's these different things. The law of reciprocity is a law. What you reap, you will sow. Amen. If you reap money, you're going to sow. You, if, you, if you sow money, you're going to reap money. If you sow time, you're going to, you're going to reap time. If you sow your, 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 your talents and your giftings, you're going to reap that back from someone else. Amen. That's reciprocity. You reap what you sow. You reap where you sow. A lot of Christians think that, you know, when it comes down to financial giving, that they give to the dog's home. Hallelujah. I give to charity. Well, guess what? It might be that you don't get bitten by a dog, but you, you might not necessarily get any spiritual blessing from that. Because you reap where you sow. You also reap after you sow. You've got to sow some stuff first. You've got to be careful what you sow. Amen. If you sow excuses, you're going to reap embarrassment and disappointment. But if you sow in faith, guess what you're going to receive? You're going to receive the rewards of that. And then the, the, fourth, the fourth rule of reciprocity is that you reap more than you sow. Amen. You sow some seed, you reap corn. Hallelujah. You sow an apple seed, you reap an apple tree with the apples and lots of seeds. So that's just how it works. And that's how I believe that what we've sown, we're going to reap. Some of you in this last season, you have sown in tears. How many of you have sown in tears? You've had some tears. You've had some hardship. Come on, let me see your hands. You've had some dark times, but you're still pressed in. You're still turned up. You still opened up the book. You still lifted up your prayers. You still stood there and worshipped. You didn't quit. Come on, somebody. How many of you, I'm talking to you right now, right? You sowed in tears, but you're going to reap in joy because God is good. Can someone say amen? That's what we're going to see. And in my last message of 2023, if any of you can remember, I laid out the context of why I believe that this is happening. Due to the past seasons of preparation, 
that we've been through as a church. I laid it out all the way back from 2017, 2018, all the way through. Laid it out, all of the different things that God's shown us and that we've been through and the, 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 the facts of what we've been through based upon his reality. And that was preparing us for what he's prepared for us. I really believe that God is going to bless everyone this year who is consecrated to him and who has made a covenant with Jesus and his church. I really believe that this is a blessing place. Some people are going to come here and be blessed. Some people are going to have been here that we are going to bless out to go and to fulfill God's calling and mandate upon their lives. We ain't just a keeping church, we're a sending church. Wherever it is that God wants you to be, we want to bless that. Because we want to bless everything that God blesses. Can someone say amen? So these two concepts that we spoke of and that you've been hearing a lot of, Consecration, say consecration, say consecration, and covenant, say it again, speak it out, I want you to get to hear the, the words, I want them to, to make sense, I want you to be familiar with these concepts, I believe that these two concepts are very key for us in this place, because these concepts are things that position us to receive the blessings that he wants to pour out on us in this new season. Imagine that God wants to pour out blessings upon this church in this season. Can you imagine that for a minute? Imagine what that looks like. Imagine realized potential. Imagine exponential growth. Imagine breakthrough in different areas. Imagine favor that you get. Come on, somebody, imagine that for a minute. Can you imagine it? For some Christians, that's hard to imagine. Because they've been through such a hard time. They've been through such a hard season. And we've been through all that. And we can preach about that. But we don't have to always be focused on staying in that position. Because there, are, there is a season for everything. And we've been through a season of hardship. Now we're going to be, be in a little season, however long it lasts, of joy and fulfillment and opportunity and blessing. Someone say Blessing trying to get you to believe some of this stuff. Positioning is important. God wants to bless this church where you want to be. Right? I'm not saying that other churches ain't blessed, but that's other, people, other pastors preaching to their churches. I'm preaching to you right now as your pastor, and I am saying the Lord has shown me, I really believe that this is going to be a year when if we position ourselves right, we're going to receive everything that God wants us to receive. I don't know about you, but I am encouraged. I am, I am, I am, I'm excited. Come on now, you can sense the excitement in me. While we were worshipping, while we were sitting there, while we were, we, were, we were just doing what we were doing, I was feeling excitement bubbling up in me, the like of which I haven't felt for quite some time. And even though just because I'm the pastor, don't mean to say I'm always the man of power for the hour. Sometimes I come into church and my bottom lip is on the floor. I don't really want to see anyone's faces. I feel down. I feel like I've got to drag myself up into the pulpit. Come on, somebody. I've just got to be faithful. I've got to sow in tears. But how many of you know, I'm in a season right now where I'm going to reap in joy. I enjoyed coming back today. I enjoyed seeing your faces. I enjoyed seeing people I haven't seen for some time. I enjoyed it. 
You're looking good, all of you. Amen? You're looking good. And that's okay. Positioning is important. I want to talk really quick about these two concepts that I believe are crucial in order for us to grab a hold of the, the, the things that God wants us to, to, to have, to get us in the right place, to enjoy the blessings of this year. Now, you can, you can resist it, you cannot believe it, you cannot receive it, you cannot position yourself for it, and then you're going to miss out on it. So it's up to you. The choice is always ours. But as for me and my house, God's pouring out his blessing. I want to be a bucket underneath it, gathering everything I can. I want to be underneath that shower of blessings, getting wet, getting, getting clean. Come on, somebody. Getting fresh. I don't know about you, but me and my house are going to be blessed. Who can say that? Come on, I'm getting Pentecostal today. It's okay. It's all right. Amen. We can get, we can get spirit-filled today. I'm a theologian as well. We've got theologians in the house. Master's degrees, PhDs. We know the Bible. Amen. We're always getting to know the Bible, but sometimes the Spirit of God is moving in a place and He wants us to catch a hold of that, to be filled with His goodness and His, His glory, the glory of God we're going to see in this coming season. So let's look at these things. Number one, consecration. First of all, let's look at consecration. This really is a word that simply means that your life is devoted to God by following Jesus Christ. It's about devotion. You consecrate things to God. That means that you have devoted those things to God. In a nutshell, it really means that you're making a conscious decision to put God's will and God's ways first in your life. That might seem obvious, but how many of you know it's not always the thing that Christians do? Sometimes they put their will in first place. They put their wants in first place. They put their own comfort in first place. Come on, somebody. They put their own mindset, their own subjective thinking, their own perception in first place. And then they wonder why they're not getting blessed. But when you're consecrated, that means that God is first. When you make a decision, it's like, you remember those little wristbands they used to have in the noughties? WWJD. Do you remember them? What would Jesus do? And they had a thing where people would wear this wristband and any time they had to make a decision, they'd look at the wristband and remember. <laughs> like they remember to yourself, oh, before you make this decision, what would Jesus do? Huh? That would save a lot of trouble if we, if we consecrated our thinking, our decisions, our mindsets to God. If we devoted to God everything we thought, everything we wanted to say, imagine Imagine nothing, no word left your mouth unless you believed that it was honouring to God. How many of you are getting less trouble? How many of you would have less arguments? Come on, somebody. How many of you would do less stupid things? How many of you would feel less embarrassed? Right? Consecration positions you for Jesus to start to really operate and work in and through your life. And it's God's will and God's ways that have to be first. And the, the way you know what is God's will and God's ways is through his word. Consecrate yourself to studying the word. Come on now. Some of you get a, a one-year study Bible and read the Bible through in a year. Some of you get a, 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 a Bible reading plan. 
Consecrate part of your day to reading God's Word. Not once a week on a Sunday when you come and you open your Bible and the moths fly out. Come on now. When the pastor says open your Bible, you ain't even got a Bible. How many of you know? A lot of people don't even bring a Bible to church anymore. They don't even bring an iPad or you know, a, a tablet. Some people think that they can just get by. I've got my Bible on my phone. And they think that I can just, I'll just flick onto my phone. But you, you, your Bible app is behind your Instagram app. It's behind your TikTok app. It's behind your Facebook app. We were at Festival of Praise on Thursday in Manchester. Amazing. I've been there from the very first one. Pastor Komoloff is a dear, dear friend of mine. I've been there since we were very small in the Apollo. And by God's grace, I've had the opportunity to be a part of it every single year, to speak or to pray. Or I've done altar calls. I've took up the offerings. I've done everything there. This year, I did a video and I was able to pray. 20,000 people filled the AO Arena in Manchester. There were, I think it was 25,000 views, live views. There was 5,000 people watching online at the same time who couldn't get in. Um, it, was, it was a powerful, powerful time. But uh, one guy got up. I don't even know his name. Forgive me. But he was a guy who got up and ministered. And there were some people who got up and ministered, and they were great. They had an anointing. And everyone was jumping up and down. And everyone had their phones out. And everyone was filming. And even I was filming. I mean, if you know, I want to capture some of the moments, right? I want to share it with people in different nations so that they know that the fire of the Holy Spirit is in Manchester. God's moving in our city. Come on, somebody. So I was doing all that as well. I'm filming and doing their thing. I've stuck it up on social media. But this guy got up and everyone was there. All the young people were there. They were all like, ah, all their lights on for Sinatch. Come on now. There was lights all over the place. Huh? We make a miracle worker. Huh? I know who I am. I know what you've done. I know where you live. I'm coming with my gun. Right? And it was all great. But this dude got up, man. And he said this one thing. He said, would you put down your phones and lift up your hands? No one caught it at first. And he said it again. He said, please, would you put down your phones? Drop your phones, he said, and lift your hands. Let me tell you, the anointing of God, he wasn't even a very good singer. He didn't have the voice that, that Tom Jones would turn for. Come on, somebody. How many of you know he had a voice that heaven listened to? He had a voice that hell listened to. He had a voice that was anointed. He had a voice that the power and the presence of God fell like a weight of glory in that place. Why? Because he was consecrated. And he consecrated that time to God. So don't forget, man. Yeah, we put the words of the, 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 the sermon up on the screen. Yeah, you might have it on your digital device. But if it ain't in your heart, then you ain't going to know what to do or when to do it. Consecrate. Everyone say consecrate. Consecrate. Anything that will get in the way of God's will, word and ways is a no-no. 
this year. Anything that gets in the way. Oh, but I like it. Is it God's will? No. No then. Oh, but it feels good. Yeah, but is it good? No. Guess what you do with it? Bin it. Chuck it. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Cut it out of your life. Here's the biggest one. But I can't help it. God knows I'm weak. So does the devil. So does the devil. Come on now. It's an excuse. So excuses reap embarrassment. Hallelujah. So consecration. Reap the life-giving, chain-breaking, bondage-breaking. Come on, somebody. Freeing, anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life to represent God in every area of your life. Consecrate. The importance of being consecrated or pure in our relationship with God is emphasized by an example in the book of Joshua. After 40 years in the wilderness, we know the story. You know, they refused to go in through a lack of faith, through unbelief. The ten spies saw the giants in the land, the Rephaim, the sons of the Nephilim, the descendants of the Nephilim. They saw the strongholds. They, they looked like ants or grasshoppers in their own sight. How I many of you know, in your own strength, in your own vision, in your own power, yeah, that's what we are compared to the spiritual forces that are opposed against us. But in God, I said in God, nothing is impossible for Him. Amen. If he goes before us, everything else gets out of the way. But they, they came back, they gave a bad report. We know what happened. God said, right, off you go, wander in the wilderness, 40 years. And they didn't wander all over. For most of the time, they stayed for about 38 years, when you look at it. They stayed within spitting distance of the promised land. And if you know, when you reject in faith what God wants to release to you, right, when you reject the faith that's needed, when you reject it, when you, your unbelief gets you out of the place of God's blessing, then you're going to stick around and you're going to be able to see the blessing, but you're not going to be able to touch the blessing. They could see the promised land, but they couldn't get into the promised land. Huh? 40 years went by, but only the two, Joshua and Caleb, that had the faith to accept what God wanted, were able to go in. Those and all the young people, the young innocent ones, under 20 at the time, amen, that had grown. Some of them were young when they, they couldn't get into the promised land and they were old when they finally got in. Ooh, come on, somebody. You know what that shows me? That shows that it don't matter how much time it is, it don't matter where you are in your life, if you've stayed firm and you've stayed pure and you've stayed faithful to the promise, then that promise is going to come to pass within your life. But watch this. After 40 years of the wilderness, the children of Israel were about to cross over the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And they were given a command. Watch this, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Why? For tomorrow, everyone say tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself. Position your heart and your mind in the right place because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things and you want to be in the right position to be able to reap the right stuff. But it's consecration. Think about that. 
God promised to do amazing things for them immediately after they positioned themselves. Now, are you up for some amazing things to happen tomorrow and the next day? How many of you are up for some amazing things to happen to you later on today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month? How many of you really would like to see God answer some of those prayers, God bring fulfillment to some of those things, to give you opportunities, to open doors, to bring the right people into place? Come on, somebody. Give you the profile that you've been wanting, you've been needing for your business, for your ideas. When you consecrate yourself, you position yourself so that God can begin to pour out some stuff. New opportunities, new possibilities, exponential growth and favour can become a reality in your life when you're consecrated. It's not outside the realms of belief. I've experienced it before. There's been times I've had such great favour. There's been times when people have just deposited money in my account. Hallelujah. I believe it's going to happen again. Where'd the money come from? I don't know. Someone gave it to me. Where'd it come from? Was it, was it what you needed? No, it was more. Where'd that come from? Are you with me? God's opened doors. God's given us opportunities. He's put us in different places. I mean, when I look back on all the things that God has enabled me to do over the years, I'm just an ex-drug addict and criminal, allegedly, from the east end of London with no education. Come on, somebody. Right? No opportunities. A white guy in a, in a, a mainly brown movement. Victory Outreach in America is all brown, man. Mexicans, Hispanics, you know what I mean? I was like, who am I that you would give me these opportunities? Why have I spoken at these conferences? I've got a deep Cockney accent, right? I don't sound like I'm from the BBC. I'm not someone that you would, you know, want to read bedtime stories to your kids. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I haven't got that chocolate mellifluous accent like Pastor Anthony or Amari. Come on now. Amen. We've got some people in our church, man. They just speak and it's like being poured, chocolate being poured over your life. But God has given me favour. God has opened doors for me. God has given me places to sit, at tables to sit that I don't even qualify to sit at. But God has said, I have given you the qualification. I am putting you in that place. I am opening a door for you. I didn't deserve to marry a woman like Vicky. My goodness. Woman of faith and power with such great taste in men. Someone who saw beyond my crusty exterior and saw the tender heart of love inside. How many of you have had some tremendous experiences with, with God that you can only say that that was the favour of God? You remember that song we used to sing? The favour of God is upon me. The devil knows that I am a winner. Winner, 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 winner. Who's a winner? How many winners we got in the house? Winner, winner, not loser. Winner. That's God's grace and God's favour. And if he did it before. Hey, hey. I can't even sing, but you sing along. You know where I'm going with it. 
I can't dance. How many of you know I've started to shock you before and my Nigerian brothers and sisters, they've just gone wild. Favour of God. It's not outside the realms of belief. I've experienced it before and I'm, I'm experiencing it again. And I believe it's because I'm positioned where God wants me to be. In times of tears, we sowed. In times of hardship, we consecrated ourselves. We decided, God, whatever happens. Have you ever, ever read Vicky's book, Cancer Versus the Bionic Me? If you've never read it, get a copy. It's about a cancer journey. And there was one particular incident that we recount in the book about where after having this major surgery, having all the bones removed from her left leg, having silver-coated titanium implants placed within her leg, her leg started to rot along the wound, big, thick, long wound from her thigh to her ankle. They tried everything. They tried all different drugs and different stuff, but it came to the point where they said, tomorrow we're going to have to amputate her leg to save her life. I remember driving back from the hospital in Wales. She was in Wales. And uh, I remember coming back, sitting in our house, and the darkness was there. And you can believe this or not. It's up to you. But I'm telling you my experience. And a demon manifested in my house. I was sitting on my couch. And there was another couch there by the window. And this, just this dark form as tall as the ceiling manifested in my room and started to mock me in a voice that I heard. Whether it was audible or not, I don't know, but I heard it. And God had told me previously that I had to accept what he allowed, but he wouldn't allow them to take her leg. That was what we held on to. That's why we had the surgery. But now they're going to take her leg tomorrow, and he started to mock me, this thing. He started to say, oh, so. Your God said he wouldn't allow me to take her leg. But they're going to take her leg in the morning. Your God is weak. Your God is a liar. Imagine. I haven't recounted this much, but I recounted it in the book. And man, the darkness, the fear, the coldness in that place. The just, the, the utter desolation of, oh, God. But then something happened. Something happened in that time of darkness. The grace of God kicked in. And I remember sitting there, and I'll never forget it. I had my head in my hand. This thing is there. I can't look at it. I've got my head down. It's madness. But the grace of God come on me and I unfolded. And I looked up and I lifted up my hands. And I said, Lord, even if they do take her leg, I will still serve you. That wasn't my doing. That didn't come from me or any strength that I had. That was the Spirit of God inside of me. And at that moment, it was like light burst into the room. It hit that thing and smashed it out of the room. The peace of God and the glory of God just fell in that place. And I knew that it was going to be all right. I phoned up Vicky in her hospital bed. I told her what happened. I said, Vic, it's going to be okay. Vic, it's going to be okay. She said, Paul, I just, I just woke up. I had a dream. She said, I had a dream that in the morning they come and they take the bandages off my leg and the wound is dry. I said, 
Glory to God. I went there in the morning. We sat in that hospital room. In they came. She, was, she had tubes out of her neck. She was nil by mouth. She was on her hospital bed. In came two consultant surgeons, a registrar, an anaesthetist, a cancer nurse, and whoever else was there, I don't know. They came in and they were getting ready to wheel her into that surgery and cut off her leg. But how many of you know God had spoken? I'll never forget. I'll never forget. They started to peel off the bandages. And the presence of God and the peace of God was upon us. And we were just whispering thanks to God. And when they opened the bandage, they peeled off the bandage. What had been a pussy, rotten wound, stinking, was dry. It was dry. What's my point? What's my point in recounting this story? Why am I saying that? It's because in that place of darkness, I consecrated. I positioned myself. We positioned ourselves. Even when things were bad, even when we were in the wilderness time, you consecrated yourself. And the next day, God did amazing things among us. I don't know about you, but if you consecrated yourself, if you stood the test, if you stuck it out, if you didn't quit, if you're still here, if you can still praise the living God, if you still believe in His promises, then you're positioning yourself for good things to take place. You just have to position yourself. Fasting and prayer increases the likelihood that you're going to be able to do that. Fasting, watch this, fasting resets you. It's like pressing reset. It's like rebooting your life. It resets you and gets your life in order. It gets your flesh under manners. Come on, somebody. It starts to say, listen, you don't rule me. Hallelujah. He rules me. Jesus rules me, you don't rule me, my hunger don't rule me, my flesh don't rule me, my comfort don't rule me, my need don't rule me, my greed don't rule me, but my God rules me. And this happens both spiritually and naturally. You know, spiritually it resets you, but also naturally. You start fasting, you live a fasted life, things are going to change. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. Hormones are going to change. Diseases get, get, get eradicated. Good things take place within your life when you set yourself in the right place with God. Prayer, prayer, prayer connects you to the source and the creator of everything and it releases amazing things. When you pray, come on somebody, when you pray and you go before God and some, some people say, well, when do I pray? What's, what's a good prayer life? Good prayer life is praying. Well, how long should I pray? As long as you can. Hallelujah. Come on now. Pray. Communicate with God. Well, should I do it for an hour in the morning? Well, yeah, that's a good start. Hallelujah. What about the other 23 hours in the day? Listen, if you pray five minutes an hour, that's good enough sometimes. Right? You're communicating with God before you do something. Lord, what should I do? Lord, I... When, when, when something good's happening and you say, God, I thank you for that. What do you think that is? Right? You're communicating with God. That's what prayer is. What about giving? You know, when we talk about giving, everyone's toes curl up. Come on now. All the, 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 their purses clench. 
<laughs> their bank accounts go offline. Come on, somebody. People forget their password. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, sorry. Huh? It's all about giving again. All the church talks about is money. Really? All right. Tell them, tell them at McDonald's next time you're at the drive-thru. You make your order to a voiceless, faceless person who sometimes is there. Hallelujah. Right? And then you go through and the next booth is what? What is it? We don't moan about that, do we? Or maybe we do, but we still do it too, too many times. Giving financially, watch this, actually increases your lifestyle possibilities. Sometimes we think, oh, if I give to God, I'm not going to have enough money. Well, that's why you ain't got enough money. Because you're positioned wrong in your mentality and in the actuality of what you're doing. Some people give to God laughs. They give him their crumbs. They give him their leftovers. And they wonder why that they don't ever get fully fed. Imagine feeding your husband leftovers every day. Leftovers of the leftovers. Come on, somebody. Right? I mean, if you know, you want a good, fresh, cooked meal, right? You don't just want to be eating leftovers all the time. Huh? Imagine how God feels with the leftovers for our finances. Well, I, he's like, well, I gave you the ability to make that wealth. It belongs to me. Really, you're just a steward of my stuff. But you won't even give anything back. Giving financially increases your lifestyle possibilities. Because whatever it is that you decide to give to God first as a consecration off the top, then God takes that and he multiplies it. But I've only got a couple of fish and some loaves. There's 5,000 people to feed. Give it to Jesus. What does he do? He blesses it. He breaks it. He multiplies it. He gives it. Everyone gets fed. In fact, you gave a few fish and some loaves and you end up with 12 baskets left over. That is a view and a vision of what God does when you give to him financially. Because Jesus blesses and multiplies what you give to him in faith. You don't believe it? Good luck. You do believe it? God bless. And there's serving. What about serving? Serving as consecration. Getting engaged. Serving and engaging in your church life brings a deep sense of purpose and fulfillment to your life. And you'll receive a wonderful sense of peace and contentment. Because you're putting yourself in the place that you would want to be, that you would want someone else to do for you. Joy is spelt J-O-Y. Stands for Jesus first, other people second, yourself last. How can I get joy if I'm meeting other people's needs? Well, do it and find out. Because as you do it for someone, someone does it for you. And if we all do it, everyone gets blessed. Can someone say amen? All of these areas can be consecrated to the Lord. We need kids gang workers. We need people that are going to get involved in our guest services. We need hospitality people. We need technical people. We need people that are going to get involved in prayer. We need musicians. Hallelujah. We want to see more musicians come and get involved in our amazing worship. We need people to get involved in our gang and our third wave. We need people that are going to get involved in every area of our church. Can someone say amen? 
We want people out on the streets. We want people to teach the homes. We want people to get involved in education. Why? Because you will find your fulfillment and your purpose. And you not only will get blessed, but you'll be a blessing as well. Everyone say, consecration. Number two, covenant. Covenant. Say it. A covenant speaks of a binding agreement. A binding agreement. But it's different to a contract. We live in a world that's full of contracts, phone contracts. We will give you a brand new handset, but you will be paying for it for three years. Right? You can buy this now, and you can get it on credit. And you'll be paying for it for the rest of your life unless you manage to get, get on top of it, right? Contracts. Contracts are legally binding agreements, but they have defined terms and conditions. While covenants are more about spiritual commitments. There's a difference. There's a difference. A contract, when I'm marrying people, I have a little bit of spiel in the middle, and I talk about the difference between a covenant and a contract. A contract says, I will give you this if you give me that. And how many, of you peop- how many of you know there's lots of people in marriage that have marriage contracts? And they will work on their marriage as long as they're getting their needs met. But if you don't meet my needs, I am terminating the contract. Whereas a covenant is a spiritual commitment. It's saying, listen, even if you don't meet my needs, I'm going stick to stick around, right? And I'm going to try and make it work. I'm going to do everything I can on my, on my half. If things don't work out because of someone's playing away or someone's being abusive, then fair play. That thing can be terminated. But not arguments. Not because someone's snoring. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be married to you anymore because you snore. Huh? Why is that? People break contracts for the stupidest things. Are you with me? Huh? A contract. With a contract, if one agreeing party does something in violation of the contract, then it's considered broken. The whole contract becomes null and void. Basically, the signers of a contract agree to hold up their ends as long as the other signatories hold up their ends too. That's a contract. But with a covenant, both parties agree to hold up their ends regardless of whether the other party keeps their part of the agreement. God don't make contracts with people. God makes covenants. How many of you thank God that it wasn't a contract of salvation that you entered into, but that it was a covenant of salvation that you entered into? Because otherwise, the first time you sinned, Jesus could have said, my blood is removed. Salvation is removed. Goodbye. Are you catching this? A violation of a covenant by one party doesn't matter as far as the other party's responsibility to continue to do what they agreed to do. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. We're in covenant. We're in a covenant. The New Testament in Hebrew is the Brit Hadashah. It means the new, fresh covenant. In a contract. It's a covenant. Covenants are important. Because a contract-minded Christian says in their heart, I'll follow Jesus until one of my conditions isn't met. A contract-minded Christian 
says, I will be part of that church until the pastor says something I don't like, doesn't hug me, greet me. Someone else in the church does something wrong. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too loud. And then I'm terminating my contract and I'm going to go with another provider. This ain't Sky. It ain't Virgin Media. Come on, somebody. This ain't Netflix. It ain't a contract. The problem is there's too many contract-minded Christians. One of my conditions isn't met. I'm taking my toys and I'm leaving. A covenant-minded Christian makes the decision to follow Christ forever because they know it's the right thing to do. Come on, somebody. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What about if things don't go right? Jesus is still right. Salvation is still right. What about things, if things don't go your way? It doesn't matter because He is the way, the truth and the life. Is anyone with me in the house? There have been too many contract Christians and not enough covenant Christians. But that has to change if we want to be blessed. We've got to be covenant people that say, I'm making a covenant with you, Jesus. And also, I'm making a covenant with your people, Jesus. Too many people have been contracted. And they're like, I'm not going to, you know what, I don't trust people. I don't want to be around people. I don't believe that church is the right way. Even though God said it is, I don't believe it. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to do my own thing. You know, I'm going to go pay as you go. I'm just going to go pay as you go. (laughs) Don't be a pay as you go Christian. Amen. Because that means that you have the control. Instead of him having the control. That has to change if we want to be blessed. Very quickly, what is this blessing of God? The meaning of blessing is deeper than we fully understand. By the law of first mention in Scripture, the first time we see blessing in the Bible is in the very first chapter. And this helps us understand what blessing is all about. First, God blesses the creatures on the earth that he's made. In Genesis 1.22, says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. Then we see in verse 28, he blesses humanity. He speaks to Adam and Eve and he says, then God blessed them and God said to them once again, be fruitful and multiply. So we see that fruit, fruitfulness and harvest and multiplication are byproducts and consequences of the blessing of God. But then he adds something to humanity. He says, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this fits in with the the idea of prospering, of fruitfulness, and multiplication. But the blessing to humanity, to you and me, say me, say us, is a bit different to the creatures. There's fruitfulness, there's multiplication, That speaks of fulfillment and purpose. But there's also permission and authority to subdue and have dominion over the creatures of the earth and the environment, which speaks of placement. Speaks of placement. You've got to understand that if you are a human saved under the covenant of grace, then there is a place that you have over 
the enemy. Come on, somebody. Over the lies, over the darkness, over pain. Come on, over sickness. There's a place that we can take and we have to subdue. We have to take dominion. We have to, we have to fight. So the blessing of God includes both the right purpose for your life and the right place in your life. First, you're blessed as a being. Then you're blessed in your doing. Come on, somebody. God wants to bless you this year. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. Go to our website, vomanchester.org.uk for more information.